0: I'll have those God why moments? Can you help me out with one of those? What you look like. Everybody on the count of three go, God why? <laughs> one, two, three. Yeah. God, yeah, God why? Every time I was about ready to do that, it was like, praise you, Jesus, for the four by four. And we had all the lumber we needed to shove under the jacks and under the trailer and jack it up. And yeah, there it is. And it was all there, all perfect, ready to be done. <laughs> we got it. And then we started heading home and it was just like, man, praise you, Jesus, for 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 doing all of that. Meanwhile, in the four hours I I kind of caught up on Facebook, caught up on a lot of reading while we were waiting for them to get it. And, And I'll share a little bit of that with you in a minute. But we finally get home and we're like, all right, four hour, four hours later, we're supposed to be home at two. Now it's like it's six and we drop the trailer go eat wings and pizza. Everything's good. We come back and we're all going to just bust it out and we are going to unload the truck and unload the boat and we are just going to lay down and glory in the day. Well, I lifted up and we all are at the back of my truck right there and people start pulling things and I'm not sure exactly what happened except I heard clang, clang, clang and I felt the worst pain I have ever, well, that I felt in a long time. You remember I told you about that four-way tire iron? Well, when somebody was pulling stuff out, and it probably was all of us, guess what fell slap-dab on my foot? <laughs> that, if you don't believe me, look, I got it right here to prove it. But it went bam. And, 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 and I was just like, I have not experienced that kind of pain. It'll, a tire iron. The only thing cartoon-wise that could have been worse than a tire iron, falling on your bare feet, would be an anvil. <laughs> and it felt like one of those. And... and I understand from my son and my daughter, uh, my my son and my my daughter and from my son's girlfriend that I didn't cuss. (laughs) I I had people look at it and say, I just cussed for you in my head, but (laughs) I did not cuss because it's not in me, which is praise God for that. And so in that, I did say God bless America about a hundred times, and, and I'm like God bless America. And it was like, and, and holy cow and, for the Hindu people, and I'm like, and man, I'm just like, oh, I am literally, I have no shame, no pride, because that gum it hurt bad. And, yeah, I'm going, God bless America. And Emily's over there laughing. I'm like, it's not funny. (laughs) And and so they're like, just go in the house, Dad. And no lie, when I first looked at it, you know the toe next to your big toe? Well, mine are, like, normally about even. But that toe was a quarter inch longer (laughs) than my toe. I was like, dude, that ain't right. (laughs) And and so I got my little bucket, and I put ice in it, and I watched the toe kind of shrink back down to normal. Yeah, dude, it's normal now. Look at that. And uh, yeah, you can check this miracle out right here, buddy. It's on my foot. And it does, it's, I don't think it's broken. I wiggle it. Just got a nasty cut and all this. But as I'm sitting there in a bucket of ice, and, and mind you how cold it was last night, all I wanted to do was get everything unpacked, start a fire, and warm up. Now my foot is sitting in a, a bucket of ice. <laughs> and I'm sitting in a bucket of ice going, oh, God. <laughs> and it's like, and, and I was just like, God, what? I'm, Help me see this from your perspective. All of this. And he reminded me of something I saw a friend of mine post on Facebook. There was a quote by Stur, uh, um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I was going to say Sturgeon. <laughs> That's a fish But there was a quote by a guy named Spurgeon, an old-time dude, revivalist, philosopher, man, a Christian, hardcore, good guy. Uh, if you ever read any of his stuff. And what he, what he wrote is a version of this. He said, I have learned... To kiss the wave that throws me into the rock of ages. Yeah, I have learned. He wrote that in the quote. And, and as I'm soaking my foot in ice, thinking back on the day. And I'm not really mad about anything. I'm just like, God, I just want to see it from your perspective. He, I could picture, because I reposted it on my page. And, and it was like, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me into the rock of ages, which is Christ. And I started quoting that, and God's like, have you really learned that yet? And I'm like, no, God bless America. (laughs) I'm like, no, God, I didn't learn that yet. And so as I started, he kind of gave me, as I'm sitting with my butt foot in ice, he solidified exactly what I'm supposed to preach today. Earlier in the day, uh, before we even started the travels, he'd given me the passage of Scripture, and I'm like, God, I don't even, how's this going to even be real? <laughs> don't ask God that. <laughs> I was like, God, how's this even going to be, you know, I, I don't I really, you're going to have to show me how to apply this and how it all works. And he, and he did. And I just started thinking, so here's for me, this is my new year's message for me that I'm sharing with you guys. And I hope you find it as an encouragement and a goal and something to look forward to. For the new year, but my goal is to learn how to kiss the wave that's throwing me into the rock of ages, dude. You ever gotten thrown into a rock uh, with a wave? Yeah, anybody who surfed the jet, he's gotten picked up and slammed into rock. I mean, you know, if you go out on a big northeaster, uh, man, there's just—can you imagine being grateful for the very wave that's slamming you into the rock? But I love how that's put. So my goal is to learn how to kiss the wave that throws me into the rock of ages. So everybody say that, and even if it's not your goal, just say it anyways. Ready? I'm Ready to kiss the wave that throws me into the rock of ages. How many of y'all want to do that? How many of y'all would love to be able to look at things that everybody looks at? Some of y'all are going to walk away and go, dude. <laughs> that guy had a crappy vacation. <laughs> it's like, no, believe me, it's all, it was awesome. I couldn't have asked for anything else because I know it was exactly what my heavenly father wanted me to have. But I'm learning how to kiss that wave that, that slams me into the rocket. I, voluntarily, isn't that what we want? We want to sit on the spiritual couch and have no problems and eat spiritual bonbons and play spiritual video games. Just relax, you know? Isn't that what we want? We want to grow and be closer to Him. But we don't want what it takes to have that happen sometimes. And what has to happen, he's got to get us off the couch and he's got to stretch us. And so when we pray something like that, be ready. But it's all good. And I'm going to show that to you. So that's my goal for the new year. And I want to show you how you can, how I'm going to learn to kiss the wave that's throwing me into the rock of ages. Because I want to become more and more and more like Christ as this year goes on. That's my goal. Because that's why he puts everything into our lives. You understand that? Romans 8, 28. We know, we quote that all the time. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And we stop right there. Because we're looking for good stuff. But he says in the next verse, the good that comes out of all of it is that we become more like Christ. We become, become more conformed to the image of his son. And so in this... Where God took me earlier in the morning that I had no idea where the application was going to go because I hadn't experienced all of this was in Matthew 4. And uh, Matt, And you've seen this before. I've probably preached on it before, but not under this context and with this, you know, with, with this perspective. And so Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse, uh, we're going to go through verse 1 through 11 today. And so the first thing is the way I'm going to learn how to um, kiss the wave. That's throwing me into the rock of ages, which is Christ, is I'm going to have to learn God's word, man. I can't tell you how many days I get up and I've got a bad attitude on what's getting ready to happen or I'm afraid of what's going to happen or I'm clueless or I'm wandering aimlessly. I wake up and I get into God's word first thing and I and that's where I get my marching orders. I get into God's word and he begins speaking. He gives me confidence he begins telling me what he what I'm getting ready to experience for the day. It's not like a crystal ball. It's way better than that, because I know that whatever he's showing me, I'm going to have a way to apply that in my life before the day is over. And so I look at it as my marching orders. If I'm a servant and he's my master, I need to know what my master wants me to do. So the first thing we're going to have to do on a daily basis is learn God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you are not in his word, man, you're not going to see life from his perspective. You're going to see it all from a horizontal outlook. You're going to see it from your resources or lack thereof instead of being able to see it from an unlimited God who lives, who loves you unconditionally. And so I got to learn God's word every day and any day that I don't learn it, man. That's the day if I go back and I'll say, man, I wish I'd had that yesterday. So check this out at the very beginning of this. And JJ, oh, there we go. It starts out in verse one. It says in chapter four, verse one, then Jesus, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, just check that out for a second, because what just happened in the previous chapter in Jesus life was that he got baptized. John the Baptist baptized him so he could become us so we could become him. And and the God, the father just looked down and and spoke out and said, this is my son, my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. And and boom, it was a great high victory. Now, all of a sudden, the next thing to happen is Jesus, after this high point, was led by the spirit of God who led him. God led him. So you want to be stretched. You want to learn how to see it from his perspective. You want to learn how to kiss and appreciate and cherish the very thing that's going to push you into the mold of becoming more like Christ, man. It's going to be God that's got to lead you there because you're not going by yourself, are you? You're not like, remember those Play-Doh molds, guys? Do you, you remember the Play-Doh molds? You put Play-Doh in and you squeeze it and then whatever comes out, like remember the spaghetti? you like, what was your favorite one Ann? The spaghetti, yeah, dude. The spaghetti. Did any Plato ever jump in there? Ah, oh, dude, I want to be molded. <laughs> no, you got to force Plato in, right? And you and it comes out. God's got to force us into these situations because we want the end result, but we don't want the process. And so Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. That's away from everything, all his resources, all his everything, because sometimes God has to get us away from everything we're depending upon. Gets us away from family, gets us away from friends, gets us away from everything we have been depending on. Somebody has to take things away in order to then show us all we need is him. And so Jesus was led by spirit into the wilderness. Now, check this out. To be tempted by what? The devil. devil. How willing do you think the devil is to tempt you, Jack? You think devil's like, nah, I'm going to give Jack a break today. Ethan, I'm going to give Ethan a break today. You think that's really what he's saying? Uh, So here's what you've heard me say before. You know, according to James, God doesn't tempt you. God, here's what, here's the little saying that that we talk about around here a lot. God does the testing. The devil does the tempting. And we do the trusting. Everybody help me out with that. God does the testing. The devil does the And we do the Exactly. So everything that God sets you up for, when he sticks you in that mold, he wants you to come out like Christ. God is setting you up to succeed in every situation that he puts you in. He's wanting you to succeed, and success is not what we determine as success, but success is, what, is what's what's going to make us look more like Christ. That's what success is. And so the devil's more than willing to be tempting Jesus because he can get him to sin. He can't be our savior. If he can get up sin, he might even be able to kill him, and, and, then, and then he can't be defeated by him. And so the devil's more than willing to tempt Jesus, and he's more than willing to tempt you. If he knows he can't have you for eternity, wouldn't he love to make your life as miserable as possible right now? Absolutely. And so, man, if I'm not learning God's word, then I get so wrapped up into the temptation instead of paying attention to what God's trying to accomplish in a test and making me more like him. Just like you were talking about today, Ann. You see that situation, and all of a sudden you catch yourself, and you're like, yes, I know why God has put me in this situation. Without knowing why God put you in, your flesh comes out, and it's ugly, isn't it? Dude, you know what happened to me today? Check this out. I'm driving down Indian River Drive, and I'm just like, all right, it's all good. All of a sudden, there's some guy, like, checking his oil. Like, he's got another. They're just checking the car. He's, like, trading there, and he's got his door out. He's got his door open on the side of the road I'm driving. I literally had to stop. And he's like, hey, we'll be done in just a minute. I'm like, okay. I couldn't pass. I had to wait for all the other cars. There's a curve. I had to wait for all the other curves. And right away, I'm like, oh, yeah, I caught myself just like you did. I'm saying, God, I'm getting ready to preach on this. I can't be calling this guy an idiot right now. Maybe after service. No, but I'm like, no. But so Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He's always willing to tempt you, and devil wants you to fail. But God is testing you. To one, what is the purpose of a test? You guys, you homeschool these guys, right? Why do you test them? Government says to, but what is the purpose of a test? Just yeah, to show you what they know and show them what they know. Show them where they're at, and that's why God gives us tests. Is one to to show us where we're at spiritually, where our faith is at. But two, to, to, to grow our faith. And you know, and it feel good when you pass a test? That's why you share that. You passed the test today. Yeah, would you have been sharing that if you just went all like postal work on that person and you're like, oh no, yeah. You would have shared it in a different way. In a different way, yeah. So Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted to the devil. And so if your goal in life this year. Is to be stretched. Your goal is to learn how to appreciate, how to embrace, how to kiss that wave that's getting ready to slam you into the rock of Christ Jesus. If that's your goal, man, you're going to have you're going to have to be stretched. You're going to have to start seeing especially the tough things that way when that tire iron falls on your feet. You know, when that brand new trailer tire blows up because of nothing you did (laughs) And, and and it just and again, it's only by the grace of God. I'm praising God for the way all of that got handled yesterday. Not me. I know how I would have handled it. But to imagine, have you ever had God do something through you that you knew it was God and you knew it wasn't you? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about yesterday. So you got to be out there. So we've got to learn God's word is what we're going to learn in the first part. Check this out. Verse 2. And when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. This is a duh statement in the Bible. Everybody say duh. duh. Yeah. No, say it like duh. duh. Yeah. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was what? Yeah, dude, you guys are gonna be here for just forty hours, man. Four hour? No, I'm just forty minutes. I don't even know. But, but listen, man, it's like if you were fasting for forty days and forty nights, hey, what what would you be? You'd be hungry, extremely hungry. Hey, so where do you think the enemy's gonna attack you? Yeah, wherever your weakest, wherever your weak point is. And and, and you know what? We just like, oh yeah, just you know what? I got I can, man. I've had it rough. I can I can complain. I can live. Man, if you're weak in an area, you've got to put your armor up in that area. And so, and you find that in the word of God. So when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came, the tempter's the devil, the one doing the tempting. He said, if you are the son of God, huh. if, what do you think that the devil, what's the context here? What, what's the context? If you're really, you know, not that like that, I double dog dairy you. How many of y'all watch a Christmas story? I double dog dare you lick that pole, <laughs> you know, and have Jack, have you ever done stupid things because you were dared? I know you have, brother. I'm, you know, I'm just saying we have, all of us have. And and that's exactly what the devil's coming at him with. If you really are who you say you are, if you really if and if Jesus was full of pride instead of the father, what would he have done? He'd done exactly. He would have fallen right into it, man. Hey, y'all watch this. <laughs> Gary, you ever been in trouble for that? Yeah. No, you're a liar. No, that's what, Not not recently, but yeah, in your past. Yeah, so the tempter came and said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. I mean, would it would have been anything for Jesus to say, boom, boom, boom. Would it, he could have made the Rocky Mountains bread, Kevin. <laughs> then the camping would have been fun in those. If he could have made them into donuts, man. Can you imagine camping in a mountain full of donuts? No, not you. You wouldn't want to do that. That would be like gross, right? But... A lot of people would like that. (laughs) So he could have done this. He could have done this. But let me ask you a question. What did Jesus do and why did he do things? Who gave him direction? Did Jesus ever do anything on his own? No. He said, when people asked, he said, Man, I only say this because it's what the Father told me to say. I'm only doing this because it's what the Father told me to do. When Jesus came to earth as a little baby, when he came, he submitted himself, according to the book of Philippians, to only do what God the Father told him to do. He surrendered all of his own will to do any supernatural things to God the Father. And if God the Father said, make them bread, bam, they would have been bread. You know? So check this out. He said, if you're really son of God, command that these stones become bread. But look at how Jesus answered him. He didn't say, watch this. He said, it is written. Hey, let me ask you a question. Where is it written? Where's that written, Tom? In the Word. It's written in the Word. And it was the Old Testament. Don't let anybody ever tell you in this day and age the Old Testament's worthless. Most of the New Testament, when it's referring back to the Bible, it's referring to the Old Testament. When it says in Timothy, when Paul was writing to him and said, all scripture is God-breathed. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament, because that's all they had when he was writing that. So, man, we need the Old Testament. We need the New Testament. But he said it is written. And this is where he got it from out of Deuteronomy. And look what he said. Man shall not live by by what? Bread alone. How many of you all over the holidays have been living by bread alone? (laughs) And I'm just talking like bread, turkey, all that junk, you know, it's like man doesn't. Yes, we have to have some physical sustenance. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. As sure as you eat breakfast, as sure as you eat lunch, as sure as you eat dinner, as sure as you eat a seven o'clock snack, a nine o'clock snack, a midnight snack, a middle of the night snack, if you're some of you. I'm just saying as sure as you feed your physical body, you've got to feed your spiritual nature. And we feed it with soul food. And that's found in the word of God. If you're going to be able to get what God wants you to get out of the test that he brings you so you can learn to kiss the wave that wants to throw you into the rock of ages, you've got to learn his word. It doesn't come. It doesn't it doesn't come natural. It's not just in you through osmosis. How did Jesus, even though he was God, he was 100 percent man. Did you ever stop to think of the, the only scriptures that talk about him as a child? It says he grew him in wisdom, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus learned the word of God. It's not just he was God and had it all implanted And him. He learned it as a young boy. He learned it as a young man. And by the way, when the devil came out, Ellie, and he said, and, and he said, Hey, if you're really son of God, make these stones bread. Did did, did was that a time when Jesus was was watching a, a podcast or listening to a podcast? Or he was sitting in a service. No, he was in the wilderness. So did Jesus whip out his pocket scroll and look it up? Oh, Deuteronomy. And there it is. And quote it back to him. No, where did Jesus get the scripture that he quoted back? Where did he get it, Roger? God. Yeah, God got from God. It was in his heart. He had put it in his heart. It was already there. It was ammunition. It was like bullets in a, in a, in a belt that he could reload with. That's why we need, you know, while you're doing your devotion and while you're praying and you're doing that, the devil is going to try to stop you during those times. But that's not when he's going to attack. He's going to attack you when you're as far away from your spiritual friends and your spiritual food as possible. You've got to have it buried in your heart. How can a young man cleanse his way, Psalm 119, by taking heed to God's word? And it's that you don't always get attacked. You don't always have the confrontations when it's right there in front of you you got to know it. It's got to be in your heart, so you've got to learn it. So Jesus fired back, and he said, man, it's written, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many of y'all going to eat some physical food today? How many of y'all getting a little hungry right now? You're like, dang, hey, what time is he? Yeah, we'll be out here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Roger let me know. You'll let me know when it's like 12, right? And it's lunchtime? No, I'm messing with y'all. You <laughs> you <laughs> um, okay, all right, man. All right, you just keep me on track. All right. And so, but as much as you feed your spiritual nature or your physical food, your physical body, you got to feed your soul, man. And I'm just telling you, make it a habit. Just get up in the morning. The first thing you do, man, it doesn't matter where you're sitting, just grab the Bible and read. And you know, uh, there's, he's like, well, I do daily bread or I do this, I do this. And, and, and I'm, there's nothing wrong. I'm just gonna tell you a devotion is better than nothing. A devotion is better than that. But here's what happens in devotions when you're reading devotions is you get this verse from over here and you get this verse from over here and you get this verse from over here. And you've got lots of thoughts about the Bible. But you know what I find about most Christians in this day and age? They're biblically illiterate. They know pieces and they know verses and they they know concepts, but biblically illiterate. In our small group on Monday nights, we're going. We started with Genesis, then through Exodus, Leviticus. Dude, we had revival in Leviticus and we're in numbers. And what I hear every week is, wow, I never knew that was there. And now that we see it in order and we see the story, how it goes, it's blowing us away. It makes all the sense in the world. If you get a letter from somebody and all of a sudden you grab the letter, Jack, and, and you read like the middle sentence in the last paragraph you got that all right yeah all right and then destiny you know she then tells you what the middle sentence in the first paragraph says and you go back to the middle paragraph the first sentence and you guys chop it all up how what's the chances you're gonna know what that letter says no you're not gonna know you're gonna have some concepts you're gonna have some ideas but, dude, even if you just start with books of the Bible, I'm not saying you have to read them all in order. Start with John. Most Bibles are, are, are now written where there's a little header and then there's a story, a header and a story. Just read a story and you got the story. But start like you can start with Matthew. You can start with John. John was written to the church to show them that Jesus was the son of God, that he is who he says he is. But you got to read, man. And, and really, I would really love to see you reading systematically through his word. You can start with Genesis. Man, you ever have any questions, call me. It's, it, read it, and then I say, God, what do you want me to do with this? Pray before you read it, but get some soul food and go through it. Call me. I don't care what time. Call me. Text me. I'd love to help you understand and, give you, and, and let you know what I think maybe the application might be if you don't have one. But I just know without learning the word of God, I am going to be spiritually malnourished. Look at what he said. Man doesn't live by what?
1: Bread alone, but by what?
0: What do we live by? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's Old Testament, too. That, that's, that's every book in the Bible. That's what we live by. And I just know that if I didn't eat physically, yeah, right away I'd be kind of a little more, I'd lose some of this, Right? But then what if I didn't eat more? I would lose more. What happens if I had no nutrients in my body? What's some of the first things I lose when all of a sudden I'm not eating? You lose energy, don't you? You know, you lose calories, you lose energy. You know, you get a little, you get sick, you're susceptible. It's the same way spiritually. If you don't eat, if all you eat is Sunday, I am so glad you're here and you're eating on Sunday. I'm so glad, please don't stop. It wouldn't be any fun without you guys. And, uh, but what if you only ate physical food, Roger, once a week? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I need to answer that. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, so let's say you go to Bible study on Monday night. So you eat on Monday night and you eat on Sunday mornings. How would that work? Not very well. Still not. No. And again, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not like, oh, i got to read so God will bless me. No, that's where we feed our spirit. We feed our soul. And the Bible's not that complicated, dude. The Holy Spirit, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit who wrote it and who interprets it lives inside you and will show you. And you can always call me and I'll help you with that, too. But Jesus said, man, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the second thing is first, we got to what every point up here and say, learn God's word. Help me out. Come on, man. All right, I got to wake you guys up. Er, er, here we go. Come on. Ready? Learn God's Word. That's the first way we're going to do it. We're going to learn God's Word. But the next thing is, point to your heart, man. And say, Know God's Word. No. All right, Know God's Word. Okay, so uh, Al, show me, man. Show, show, show everybody right here, real quick, man, what we got to do. Learn God's Word. No, man, you got to shoot the hand signals. Otherwise, they're not. Yeah, learn God's Word and know God's Word. Know God's word. You got to learn God's Word and you got to know God's Word. There's a difference, guys. You, there's a lot of people that know that have learned God's word. And they can quote it, but knowing God's word, knowing it in your heart, you know it works. You know, you know how to apply it. It's more than just head knowledge. Now you know how to apply it. You know when to use it. You know that it works. There's confidence in it. So check this next, this next temptation. It says, Then the devil took him into the holy city. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So in the temple where all the worshipers were worshiping. And they're all down there worshiping, waiting for a Messiah to come. That's what they were waiting for. And the devil took him up to the highest point in that temple. And so everybody would be able to see him. And look what the devil says now. The devil recognized that Jesus fought off the first temptation with the word of God. So what does the devil do? He's going to start breaking out the word of God. Only if you didn't know the word of God, you'd think it was the word of God. And so check this out. So he said to him, if you're the son of God, I double dog dare you again. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Jump off from the highest pinnacle of the temple down on top of these worshipers. Jump off. And he says, for it is written. And this is Psalm 91. He says, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying, uh, Tom, can you come here for a second? All right, I'm going to jump and you're going to catch me, okay? <laughs> Sit down, man. I can't trust him, man. I just can't trust him. Otherwise, I'd do it, man. All right. But he said, here's what he's saying. He's saying, get up on the highest point of the temple, Jesus, and jump. Swan dive, man. jackknife." cannonball, whatever you want to do, just do it. And before you hit the bottom, scripture says that the the angels are going to come and they're going to catch you. And wouldn't that be remarkable for all the people to see? And everybody says, wow, that's the Messiah. And so he misquotes scripture right here because this is not what scripture says. And I'll show you. So it wasn't, why didn't Jesus jump and do it? Because God the Father didn't say to And even if everybody would have believed he's the Messiah and angels would have come, God, he would have missed the cross. And without the cross, our sins couldn't be paid for. So in this, watch what Jesus does. He said to him, it is written again. He didn't even refute him and say, what you said is wrong. Because it was. He, he, he did that with what he, what he said was in the scripture. He fought him back with scripture again. He said, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, what is tempting the Lord your God? It's going out and doing something in the name of God that God didn't tell you to do, and then saying and then and asking God to rescue you from it. Man, Christine, I was just thinking, how many times have you had now in the last probably year opportunities to move here? Isn't that what you want to do? You and your husband yeah. want to move here permanently now and be like Anne. All right, you yeah. know, <laughs> get your local sticker in six months, you're good, and uh, <laughs> you are a local man. You, you got it right, but. But how many times have you had opportunities, and it's in your heart, your soul, you know it's right, but the job, man, you're like, all right, here's another job. You know she just told me? I've told you this, what, three times in church already. She's got another interview on Friday. So be praying for her, praying for Christine that she will know if this is God speaking to her, if this is what she's supposed to do or not. Because you don't want to tempt the Lord your God. You don't want to just go jump out and move if it's not God's will for you to move and then say, all right, God, we did this for you. Now rescue us. That's tempting the Lord your God. And, and even if you're doing it in the right re, right way, trying to show people who God is, that'd be like me going to Publix today. And I get up there on the counter, and I grab the little microphone. They sell microphones, right? And I say, attention, all shoppers. And I've got five gallons of bleach right here. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to drink all this bleach, and nothing's going to happen to me because I'm doing it for Jesus. And I've got some rat poison. And I got some bug spray. And I got all, and, but nothing's going to happen to me because it's Jesus that I'm doing it for to prove to you that he's the savior of the world. What do you think about that? What's God doing up there looking down going, don't, don't do it. He's speaking louder than he's ever spoken. And do not do it. And I'm like, no, it's for you, God. And it's not for him. It's for me. It's what I want to do. What's going to happen? I start drinking the bleach start spraying the, you know, bug spray. What's going to happen to me, Jack? I'm going down, baby. I'm tempting the Lord, my God. Anytime we go to do something, even if it's in the name of the Lord, but God didn't tell us to do it, we're tempting him. That's what the point of this was. The point was, God, I'm not jumping off the pinnacle. God's got a better plan for me, and I'm not taking this plan. When God speaks to me, I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm not just going to learn his word. I'm going to know his word. I got to know the context. I had a seminary professor that said one time, he said a text without a context is a pretext. In other words, you can't just cherry pick verses out of the Bible and make them say what you want them to say. You've got to have them in context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Really? Really? Jump over the building. No, because that's not what God wants you to do. You've got to look at things in context. And if you don't read the whole letter, you don't have the context. And if you don't do it, man, you, you don't know it. Because how many of y'all have applied some scripture to your life and it worked? And now no one can tell you any different. How many of y'all own some scripture? Anybody? Yeah. Can anybody take that from you? No, because you, don't, you didn't just learn it. You now know it. Okay? Okay. And there's a big difference in that. And, and so what's got to happen, you've got to learn it in context. And, and in that, you can't just go out and step out and do things that God didn't tell you to do. Now, are we going to do that and make mistakes? Yes. Hopefully it's not with bleach and bug spray. Okay? But you got my point in that. So I've got to learn scripture. if I'm going to be able to embrace and to kiss and cherish that wave that is throwing me into the rock of ages. I got to learn God's word by being in it as often as I can, at least every day. And I've got to not only learn it, but I've got to know it. I got to understand it. I need the Holy Spirit to show me what it means. I got to know when to use it, how to do it. But then again, you can know a lot of things, but what, it, 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 I talk about deodorant, you know? Uh, Jill, if Al, is perfect he is, if he had a 55 gallon drum of deodorant, it wouldn't work unless he did what? Unless he put it on. And it's the same way with the word of God. Jack, you ever met people deodorant don't work on? Yeah, dude, it's the they try, it don't work, man. But the word of God works on everyone, I promise. And so the next point, and the last point, second to last point, is that we've got to apply God's word. We've got to apply it. So here we go, first one, help me out, put the charms up, wake up, here we go. we got to know, or learn God's word. We gotta know God's word, but then we gotta apply God's word. You gotta do it. If you don't do it, it's not gonna do you any good. Man, we were in the keys and and we only got a few lobster, but if, if we saw the water, we saw the coral, we saw the beautiful, you know, we saw, knew there were beautiful fish, but the only way we were gonna get to see those fish is if we did what? We jumped off the boat and went in. You gotta dig, you gotta jump in. Hey, was this scary jumping in for Abby? Yes. Yeah, Matt's girlfriend. She she has a fear of open water, so we helped her overcome that fear. It was our job, so we took her in the middle of the ocean and pushed her off the boat, and it worked, <laughs> man. It was awesome. She, yeah. So, but but there's a fear. But once she jumped in, actually the second, third, and fourth time she jumped in, she was getting more natural and more more at ease with it. And that's the same way with God's word. At first, it's like. You've heard me say it before. I saw it recently that says faith can make you look really, really stupid sometimes until it rains. (laughs) And that was quoted by Noah. And 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 yeah, it's scary the first time you try to apply scripture to your life. But after you apply it and you watch it work, man, you get more confidence in it and you keep doing it and it becomes your lifestyle. And so we've got to apply the word. Check this out. Third time. And now, by the way, there weren't just three temptations. According to uh, the book, Luke's rendition of this, for 40 days, Jesus had been being tempted. All 40, it wasn't like just three temptations. For 40 days, he was fasting and he was being tempted all that time. So this third temptation is recorded. It says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. Kevin, you guys are from Colorado, right? And to, are there there's some high mountains there, right? But are there mountains that you can get on and on that mountain, see the whole world? Can, can, it looks like it, right? But can, you can't see Florida. You can't see your Florida home from there, right? As much, Yeah, and those are big mountains, about the biggest we got here, right? And so, but can you imagine being on a mountain where you can see everything? Is there such a place? Is there such a mountain where you can be taken up to? Look at this. Think about that. The devil is so cunning, so brash, so bold, he's taking the king of the universe and he's taking him up on a mountain and telling him the lie and saying, this is the whole, this is the world. This is everything. Has the devil ever shown you something that seemed like the whole world? You know it ain't right. You know it's not right. But you start lusting out your heart wants it. It looks like the whole world, so you're going to make it work. You're going to blame it on God or whatever you want to do. But here's what he did. He tried to take Jesus on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. He tried to deceive him. And look what he said to him. He said, man, Jesus, all these things I will give to you. Hey, what's wrong with that? Yeah, they were already his. That's like Ashley trying to give away my wallet. Ashley trying to give away my cell phone. Ashley trying to give away my prized vehicle out there. Ashley trying to give away my key. And that tire you got in your trunk, right? That's like Ashley trying to give my stuff away. All of this already belonged to Christ, but look how brash the enemy is. Do you not think that he's going to try to deceive you in the same way by showing you something that looks like the entire world? He said, man, all these things, Jesus, I'll give to you if you just fall down and worship me. <laughs> looks like the world, man. But I'm going to tell you what, if you have to violate God's principles, it's not of God. You have to violate, you have to do something wrong. It is not of God. Look what Jesus says. We're almost done. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. Get out of here. Get, go. He said, it's written. And He whips out scripture again. And he says, look at this. You shall worship the Lord your God and you shall worship. Uh, and him only shall, uh, shall you shall serve. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Look at the two things in here, worship and serve. So we talked about in order to be able to embrace and kiss that wave that's going to slam us into the rock of Christ Jesus. We've got to help me out one more time, guys. We've got to learn the learn word. We've got to know the word. We've got to apply the word. How in the world are you going to worship God? Without knowing how to worship him. You know what we learned in Leviticus? How many of you have ever, Susie, man, Milk, did we not have revival in Leviticus? That was that blows me away because I, I don't know about you, but so many times in life I'm going in Genesis, Exodus, and it's usually the beginning of the year where I'm gonna read through the Bible in a year. And all of a sudden, man, running through Genesis, Exodus, and hit that puddle of molasses called Leviticus, and you're like, oh. Oh, but we understood this time where now God had the Israelites out of Egypt, had them isolated. And he says, now, guys, I'm going to show you, I'm going to teach you how to worship me. That's what Leviticus is about. I'm going to teach you how to worship me. And it's going to be a picture of what's going to happen with Christ later. And so now we started looking at it from the perspective of God teaching us how to worship him. Some of you say, well, I got my own way of worshiping. No, you don't. God gets to tell you how he wants to be worshipped. He's the almighty God, the almighty ruler. You've got to know what his rules are. You've got to know how he wants to worship. If I wanted to worship my wife, who I love. Now, I'm not going to worship her more than God. But if I really wanted to worship my wife and, and I went and I speared a nice grouper and I sliced it up and I breaded it and fried it and gave it to my wife, would you be worshipped in a grouper? No. All right. So I'm going to go get her some Mahi, and I'm going to make her some fish tacos. I'll sear it up real good in a pan, man. Maybe, no, I'll just take some panko breadcrumbs, and I'll deep fry. Man, I'll, I'll make her three different kinds of Mahi. mahi ta- Would you be worshipped that way? All right. Maybe what she really, really wants, she wants some bluegill out of freshwater lake. So I'll skin it, scale it, I'll stuff it with onions and peppers, wrap it in aluminum foil, throw it in a fire, man, a campfire, and say, honey, I made this for you paddled all the way out to an island in the middle of, of a river and, and did that for her and said, here, honey, I want to give you this bluegill. And she opens up, would you be worshipped by that? No. That, what are those common to not? Well, now, if I were to go home and I were to make you some chicken and some rice and some broccoli, would that be coming closer? So let me ask you a question. What does what my wife not like? Fish. She doesn't like Fish. Now, she'll eat shrimp if it's breaded and she can't see it, okay? But that's it. That's as far as it goes in her life. So what if I threw every fish in the sea at her, and I made it every way you can possibly make it? Dude, I had some key lime butter on a fish sandwich. Dude, that was awesome. I'm going to try to make that stuff. I had some good stuff down there, and I'm trying to recreate it. But she would not like it at all. So the problem is, what if I try worshiping her with what she doesn't like? It doesn't work. So in order to worship God, you got to figure out what he likes. You got to figure out what he wants. And in his word, he tells us. And if we want to worship him, we got to worship him in spirit and in truth with what he's told us is the truth. And how are you going to learn the truth if you're not learning his word? You're not knowing his word and you're not applying it. You can't worship him. You may call it worship and try to do something called worship, but it's not worship and it's less it's what he wants. What about serving him and, and him only shall you serve? Man, how are you going to serve your master if you don't hear his commands? That's why I'm in the Word in the morning. It's because I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do today? I'm reading through. And when I'm reading through, I'm looking and saying, All right, God, what do you want me to do with this today? It's my marching orders. It's the best way I've got to be able to do what He's asked me to do. Hey Penny, is there ever any things you want Matt to clean up and fix around the house or whatever? A few things, right? Yeah. But yeah, so but 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 Matt wants to wants to serve you by taking you out on the boat, right? Yeah, and, and, and sometimes that works, right? But those things don't get cleaned up. You, what, what, if, what, if, what if Matt did all the chores you didn't want him to do but didn't do the ones you wanted him to do? Would that be serving you? No. And we're just guys were good at that, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Matt, there you go, bro. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but hey, guys, you've seen the meme, right? If a guy says he's going to do something, Jack, right? If a guy says he's going to do something, you don't have to remind him every six months to do it, okay? (laughs) We're going to get to it. (laughs) We're just waiting for that perfect timing and all of that. But look what it says. Worship and serve him. How can you possibly serve him if you don't have fresh instructions? you got to know what he wants you to do today. It might be different than what he asked you to do yesterday and the day before and the day before. So you've got to learn his word. You've got to know his word. And you've got to apply his word before you can do the next thing, which is, everybody put your hands right here. Rest in his word. Yeah, man. All right, so help me out with the four things so you can remember them. Uh, uh, who do we got? Oh yeah, Tom and, and Laura and, and, and your friend from Alaska. What's your name again? Linda. Linda, okay, so show everybody what we got we got a learn know God, God's, yeah, learn God's word, know God's word, apply his word so that we can rest in his word. Yeah, we just want to rest in his word, man, but we've got to go through all of that. Check out this last part, and we're done, I promise. Look what it says. It says, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. You resist the devil, he will flee. When the test is over, the test is over. God's got a purpose in the test. And you got to, hey, when you test the boys and they utterly fail their test, what has to happen to do you just say, oh, well, I guess you guys are going to stink at that in life. We'll go to the next subject. What happens when they fail a test? they got to take it again. And if they fail it, they take it again. They fail it, they – Ethan, what happens? you got to take it again. So what's the wise thing to do with a test, Ethan? Pass it. Put everything you got into passing it because it's not going to go away if it's, if it's mandatory curriculum. And if God put this in your life, dude – Whatever God puts in your life, is something he wants you to learn. How many of y'all ever had to take God's test a few times? It? And it wasn't because he didn't give you enough grace. It's because you didn't have enough effort. You missed it. So, man, I'm just telling you guys, it's like when the test is over. What do you do after you take a big test, Ethan? After you take a big test, you're happy, and then now you can like, oh. Emily, you cram for your test? Uh, you, you cram all night you're in college and you cram it bam 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 and you're like oh getting all this done and after it's over then what do you do you rest. you rest but you see if you procrastinate and you put it off and you don't study and you don't pass the test and, and, and if you if you utterly fail the test what do you think do you rest if you know you just blew it no because you know you got to do it again Just pass the test. But the way you're going to do that is by learning God's word, knowing God's word, applying God's word. And when you do that, he will come to a point where you can rest in God's word. So, again, for me, my purpose this year, what I want to be able to tell you next year, I want to be like that quote from Spurgeon. I want to be able to say I learned, but I'm not there yet. Is anybody else with me and you're not there yet? You're not there yet. I'm not there yet, and I wasn't as nice to the guy with the door open on Indian River Drive as I proclaim to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I gave him a pretty healthy glare, like, "What do you think you're doing? Blocking the whole lane! This road is meant for horse carriages, and you're blocking!" I, I didn't say anything, but boy, I did, you know. God bless you. Yeah, (laughs) I'm learning, guys. I'm learning. So this is what my goal is for me this year and how I'm going to do it. So read this with me one more time, guys. I am learning to kiss kiss the wave. Yeah, I want to see whatever is coming into my life. I want to see it from God's perspective and understand that it's God trying to shape me and mold me into the image of Christ. I want to be grateful for his powerful hands. Throwing me into that mold. (laughs) That's what I want to do. But the only way I'm going to be able to do it is if I continue to learn God's word. And then I know God's word. I know it in context. I know it better than I know any other subject in this world. And then I apply God's word. And then I know I'm going to have times to rest. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. And thank you for um, really just speaking to us through your word. Father, I I pray that um, this year that we would all um, love your word more than we love it now. We'd love your word more than we we love almost anything else. Um, Father, we would go to bed at night and have no greater desire than to wake up and spend some time with you and your word. Because we know that we can't be in your word without prayer. And so that's us talking to you and you talking to us and just having that fellowship and that communion. And we know when that happens, that relationships are growing because there's that communication going on. Father, I pray that our relationship with you would grow this year and we would spend the time before we do anything else being in your word. If that means getting up earlier than anyone else so we can have that time, show us how to do it. If it means being able to just get everybody to bed and then spending time with you for the next day. Father, let it just show us how to do it in our busy schedules that we have created. But Father, we know that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God and we need to learn your word. But Father, just more than learning how to recite it, learning what it says, we need to know it. We need to have that intimate relationship with you through your word.
1: I think of John
0: 1 where you're called the word. And I think of that Greek word, gnosko, which is an experiential knowledge where we know, we know, we know, we know your word. We know it's true. We know we can count on it. We know that your promises are not a matter of if, but they're when. And we know it more than we know anything else in this universe. And I pray that all happens as we apply your word out of faith and out of trust. And that, Father, um, we know that in Hebrews it says that it's only, we can only please you through faith. And we know that you give us situations that require faith. But to have that faith, we've got to know your word. We've got to apply the word to our lives. And, Father, um, I pray you would just give us a greater desire to do that each day. And I pray... That at the right time, you would give us rest in your word, rest from the test. So, Father, it would be really awesome this time next year, this time next week even, for people to be able to even say, this time tomorrow, for people to say that I'm learning to love and kiss and embrace and glory in that wave that's throwing me into the mold of Christ Jesus, that rock. Father, speak to each person in a mighty way today and show them what you want to do with this. And Father, I pray that through this, we would help each other see life from your perspective because we see it that way. Pray if there's someone that's never given their life to Christ and they're thinking about it today, that they realize even that thought, that desire they have is coming from you. It's not coming from them, but it's coming from you. And it's like the wind. We don't know when it's coming. We don't know when it's leaving, but we know it's there. And I pray that desire would be one that they can't refuse and they'd surrender their lives to you. So, Father, do what you want through this word and um, do it in each of our hearts. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs)